Well, uh, my name is Sarah McCarran. My husband and I moved here to Pasadena in the middle of COVID in May last year. He literally got the job offer on May 5th, and on May 22nd, we arrived here. It was a whirlwind. And because we have three children under the age of five, we're very rarely here because we don't want them to have the tantrums over here, and we're very excited about V-Kids being open. But um, back in Virginia, I was a writer. I was a preacher. I was working with Relevant Magazine. And then all of a sudden, the Lord just opened the door to give us the desires of our heart to move here to Southern California. So here we are. I'm writing my screenplay, but at the same time, I get to come and encourage you guys. And so I'm so thankful that Ben has given me this opportunity, and I'm so thankful that you guys are receiving me this morning. So I just said it. Ben talked about a really taboo subject last week, sex, and it was a great message. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it, because it, the teaching, just all about the body, it was so deep, it was so good. But I'm going to tackle, I'm not going to do a normal Palm Sunday message. I'm going to tackle another taboo subject that we don't like to address in the church. Mental health, emotions, grief, your heart. And so many people turn it off, I don't want my heart, blah, blah, emotions, weepy, weepy. It's not. The Bible says, talks about the heart over 826 times. So if the Bible says the heart's important, I think it's something that we should address. And then particularly as we're approaching Easter week, I think it's really important. We focus so much on resurrection. Jesus died and he rose again. But do we actually ever sit in that place where we think about his death, where we think about how it impacted the disciples, where we think about how their world was totally rocked. And our worlds get rocked all the time. COVID has rocked our world, totally rocked our world. People get cancer. There's infidelity in marriages. There's bankruptcy. There's mass layoffs. How many people are unemployed right now? Trauma affects us even if we don't want it to. Even if we just want to move on and forget it happened, it affects us. And what we want to explore today is as we process, I promise you, Jesus will lead you to resurrection life. The Bible is not about faking it till you make it. I've experienced that a lot in church. Turn up, oh, it's okay, it's okay, I've lost my job, God's got it, God's got it, he's going to open another door. But inside you're dying. How am I going to provide? Where am I going to live? But we put on this exterior, don't worry, it's okay. So before I really dive in, let's have the reading. Good morning, Vintage. My name's Arlene, and I'll be doing the reading for today. We're going to be in Matthew 21, 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt the fowl of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The Easter story started with so much victory. It started on a high for the disciples. A prophecy from the Old Testament, from the book of Zechariah, was being fulfilled. Jesus, the Messiah, was entering Jerusalem on the donkey. And it was such a joyous occasion. But then within a few days, trauma hit. Jesus died. Jesus was taken away. Everything, the disciples' world was flipped upside down. Like, have we ever, I, I have very much experienced this. Have you, in your own life, what about your career? Has that gone according to the plan? Have there been highs? Have there been lows? Have you had a bad boss that pushed you out of your job? Have you been laid off? Have you been told that you are no longer, how do they put it, your services are no longer needed? Have you been told that, that what you can bring to the table isn't needed? And then, on top of that, when all the career stuff's going down, your finances are hit and the stress and the anxiety. And now I live in Southern California, it's not cheap. <laughs> you know, how are we going to pay the rent? How are we going to do this? How are we going to go forward to go to Costco? All these things, like when one trauma happens, it ricochets through our lives. What happens if you find out that your husband's cheating or he has a porn addiction? What do you do in those moments? What do you do in those conflicts? I'm going to share a very personal story with you because I really feel led to do it. And I feel that what happened in my life, it changed me. So I met my husband. I was telling Ali, it was a very crazy story. We were going between continents for a decade, not meeting. And then we met when we were 31, married when we were 32, did all the right things. We waited, we honored, we got married. We waited a year to have kids, because apparently that is some rule in the church, which I don't know what it is, but they say, wait a year, okay, do the right thing. And I was so happy when I got pregnant. All I've ever wanted to be was a wife and mum. Like when I was a kid, I would play, I'm going to make my husband's lunch. I was a very nice 1950s wife. By the way, I'm not one now. <laughs> a little bit too opinionated. Um, but I always wanted this role. And to get to the point, I had a miscarriage at 10 weeks and it rocked my world because I had done the right thing. Waited, check. Waited a year, check. Working in Christian ministry, check. Why did this happen? Why did this happen? I have done everything right. And it rocked my theology because I realized I had been living in a place where I thought if I did it right, everything was going to work out this way. My dreams were never going to be broken. And there was a song by Darlene Check. It's not very well known. It's an acoustic album. And this lyric really helped me understand what was going on. The hardest thing I've ever done was letting go of life and all it should become. I thought I'd die to let you lead the way, but to let go of my dreams, that's so hard it seems. And I realized I was telling God what I wanted and where we were going. And we live in a sinful world. I don't know if you've noticed that. 
is very sinful. This is a fallen, broken world. Not for one second do I say God caused this in my life. God did not cause your layoff. God did not cause COVID. God did not cause the things that grieve us. This is a sinful world. There's cancer, all this, that was not from God. And I am a very tenacious human. Part of the not being a very nice 50s wife, I'm very feisty. And I just kept wrestling and wrestling, and I was ranting at God, and I was doing all the things that you're trained not to. You thank God for his blessings. You don't yell at him for why he took stuff away. And he took me to Matthew 5. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You don't get comfort if you don't mourn. Usually, instead of mourning, what we do, shut down. Like I said, it's okay, God's got it. God's got it. I'm moving on. We don't let people in. We might be a workaholic. We might eat too much, drink too much. Some people, don't take this the wrong way, medicate on being a Christian, walking around, self-medicating on their own self-righteousness. I pray, I do this, and they've lost touch of their heart. They've lost touch with actually truly what's going on in here. And we know something's going on. You know you're not walking in wholeness when you're triggered really easily. Like rage, do you get really mad? Do you want to punch a wall sometimes? Or do you get overly sensitive and fly off the handle emotionally? Or are you one of those people who just isolates and cuts people out of their lives so they don't have to deal with it? I don't want to deal with this conflict. No, uh-uh, that's not from the Lord. I'm moving on. These are all symptoms that you haven't dealt with your stuff. You haven't dealt with the blows that life has thrown you. There's the whole five stages of grief. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Probably many of you are. But after something happens, we go into denial. Then there's anger. Then there's bargaining, where you're like begging God, depression. And then finally, there's acceptance. And acceptance is where we find the peace, where there's joy, where there's wholeness. That's where the acceptance is found. When you're in denial or when you're in anger, there is no peace. That's where the anxiety is found. That's where the angst is found. And until we address the stuff that's going on in our hearts, we are just stuck in this circle. Keep going on, keep going on, keep getting triggered, keep breaking people's hearts, keep breaking our own hearts. And there's this horrible notion that time heals all wounds. Okay, I have three small people, and if I ignore their issues, they do not go away. They're very, very vocal if I've given them the wrong color spoon. That can hurt their hearts. Have you got a family member who you haven't spoken to? The issue doesn't get better when you leave it alone. It actually exacerbates it. Stepping away from something and just cutting it off and being in denial and hoping Jesus will take the pain away is not the biblical approach. So what does the Bible talk about pain? It teaches us actually that processing emotion is healthy and it's actually the key to healing. I know we don't hear this in the church very much, but processing emotion is so healthy, and that is your key to freedom. Look at Job. 
When you read Job, it's devastating. I think because it's just a book in the Bible, we kind of disconnect. Dude, he lost 10 children. He lost his property. He lost his wife. And then he got so sick, he was covered head to toe in painful boils. It was a very, very painful, excruciating life. I cannot imagine what he went through. And you read Job and you're like, oh, please just get to the end because it's just like nearly 40 chapters of venting, complaining, he's angry. All these different, excuse me, listen, different emotions and he's listening to his friends and it goes on and on and on, but he's processing. He processed. And then he did all the things that we're taught not to in church. He vented, he yelled at God, he complained, he felt so sorry for himself. Poor me. How many times are we taught in church, don't pity yourself, Jesus has saved you. But he went through all those emotions and then at the end of Job, he has this encounter with God and he finds freedom and he finds healing. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is Job 42 when he says at the end, my eyes and my ears had heard of you but now my eyes see you. He didn't actually see God. He's saying, I'd heard about you, but now I know you. How many of us know about God, but don't know him? How, about, how, how many of us know about his character? We know about his love, but we don't know his love. And that is what Job found as he processed and then encountered God. So sometimes, actually, our suffering, what happened with us with that miscarriage, I'd never want to repeat it. It was a very painful season. But I know God in a completely different way. I know his comfort. I know him. I know what it's like to be getting up in the middle of the night at two in the morning, wailing, saying, just crying out to God and hearing the still, small voice saying, I am with you. And I was, okay. I wouldn't have had that if I hadn't have gone through the pain and the process. Look at King David. He's emotional. He was the runt of the family. I think we often overlook this. So his dad was like, no, no, no. He's, he's, he, no don't, don't go look at him, to the prophet. Runt of the family. He lost affection and favor with King Saul. He had to run for his life because he thought Saul was going to kill him. And then later on in his life, his son Absalom turns on him, and then he dies. So many tragic things happened to David. Look at the Psalms. He processed through his art. He processed through writing. He processed through song. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but here in Psalm 31, he's like, because of my enemies and the utter contempt of my neighbors and the object of dread for my closest friends, and he's complaining, he's complaining. And he goes, but I trust in you, God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies. He used his art to go through those stages of grief. My enemies are after me. He went through all of them, went through them, and he came through each psalm to the place of peace, joy, true thankfulness, true healing. This is one of my favorite things about the Bible, what Jesus teaches us about pain. And everything I'm sharing with you now, I learned in that very dark season. See, in Matthew 26, I promise I'm not going to steal too much from next week. 
Matthew 26, Jesus knows what's about to happen. He knew his fate. So he went with the disciples to Gethsemane and he said to them, sit here while I go pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him. He took three men and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Even Jesus was vulnerable with his closest friends. Even Jesus did not have it altogether enough to not need people. Jesus, in his humanity, asked his friends for help. How many of us feel like we can't do that? Or we shouldn't do that as Christians? Because we should be having it all together. Praise God, he's got it, he's got it. Jesus did it. Jesus showed that he needed his people. And in uh, Luke 22, it actually says in this account, he sweated blood. I can't imagine that pain. Like, I have had two unmedicated births, I know pain. But I did not sweat blood. Can you imagine that grief that he was feeling for his life? Jesus did go to the cross but it was a sacrifice for him. And then we look at Jesus with Lazarus. This is such a beautiful encounter because it shows Jesus' relationships with people. When he arrives, so we know the story, Lazarus dies, they send word to Jesus, and he's like, I can't go now. So just like in Jewish culture, they all gather around together, they, they mourn together, they just get together together. All the Jewish people, all Mary and Martha's friends, Lazarus' loved ones, all gathered together, and Jesus didn't come until the third day. And when he arrived, he didn't do anything spiritual. He listened to Martha. He went up to Ma Martha came up to him, and she said, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. That sounds like a rant to me. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't be dead. If you had been here and done those miracles that we have seen you do, the man who provides for me because I can't work because I'm a woman wouldn't be dead. My brother who I love wouldn't be dead. Thanks. She really vented on him. But that didn't perturb Jesus. No, nope. he kept going because then he went and met with Mary who also rants. And then in verse 33 it says, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews that had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved and troubled. He was deeply moved and troubled because of his heart, he connected. He didn't come in and say, here's the miracle. He wanted to connect his heart to their hearts. Then it moves on, very, very famous scripture. He's troubled, he wants to go. Where have you laid him, he said. Come and see my Lord. And when they saw, he saw him, he wept. He wept. Because he felt the pain of Mary and Martha and all the Jewish people who had come. People and their hearts are more important to Jesus than their miracle. Your heart is more important to Jesus than your miracle. 
Jesus wants to connect with your heart more than he wants to change your circumstances. The heart is so important because that's what Jesus wants to listen to and connect to. Because after that, we know what happened. The miracle. We saw resurrection and life. Lazarus rose. But that came after there was that intimacy and that exchange in friendship. So, back to the Easter story. <laughs> Promise not to go too off track. How did the disciples deal with his loss? We have to think about the fact that they'd seen him heal. They'd seen him heal. So maybe they thought when it started, he's going to take a lashing, miraculously heal himself, and everyone will get saved and see that he's the Messiah. Or maybe they thought he would do something like he's turned water into wine. Why well, didn't, I mean, he could turn the wooden cross into feathers. You know, they, think of their imagination. Think what they were expecting to see. They did not expect to see the one that they had, had proven themselves to, himself to be the Messiah just to surrender himself to death on a cross. Um, when you think about how Andrew, Peter, James and John were all fishermen, they, they were not the A-list crowd. They were not the Hollywood elite. These people were fishermen. Honorable trade, but it wasn't, oh, I'm so proud, my son's a fisherman. And then he had Matthew, the tax collector, that everybody hated. And when you get these guys together and they'd finally found their place, they'd finally found someone who understood them. They finally found someone who accepted them, who saw who they really were. Their worth was not in their fish. Their worth was not in the tax collecting. Oh my gosh, the Mary Magdalene, she was like crazy lady. She was so uh, demon-possessed, no one dared go near her. How do you think it felt that Jesus died? Rejected? Why didn't he fight for me? I, I thought we were going to do this forever. I thought we were going to keep building his kingdom. Like Their expectations were utterly thwarted. And in their grief, they did not follow what Jesus has shown them. Basically, they all scattered. There's a few clumps here and there, but they all gave up, and they went home. They just gave up. But we see with Mary Magdalene, the, the women did something a little different. The women did stick together. They were at the cross when he died, at the foot of the cross, and then there's an account where they went to the tomb together. I love Mary Magdalene, because she never gave up. She was so tenacious. She went to the tomb in the morning. She found the body was gone. She went back to the tomb. She, she, she was in these stages of grief, and she wasn't getting stuck. She kept going. And she cried so much, she couldn't tell the difference between a gardener, an angel, and Jesus. She couldn't tell the difference because she was beside herself with grief. That was her going through the five stages of grief, wanting answers, keep asking questions, I'm not going to give up and go home, I'm not going to self-medicate, I need to power on through. And then what does Paul teach us about grief? This also, this revelation came to me in that very painful season. We all want resurrection. Next Sunday, party. We all want to have resurrection in our life. How are we going to see the re resurrection? How is this going to be redeemed in our life? We all want Jesus to turn up. We all want the miracle. Philippians 3.10 says, Paul says, 
that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Woo, yeah, we want that. And the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. If we want the resurrection, we need fellowship with Christ's suffering. Fellowship, I think it's coming out of context. You can have fellowship groups and it's just become, oh, it's fellowship. Fellowship means intimacy, friendship, familiarity. There is a translation where it's intercourse. It's very close. And when you think about what Jesus went through, he knows what it is to be mocked. He knows what it is to be be betrayed. He knows what it is to be misunderstood. He knows what it is to have his clothes ripped off his back in front of the whole entire town. He knows this, and yet he was sinless. In our world, I am not sinless. I am not, I yell at my husband, I lose it with my kids, I lose it with myself. Self-compassion is not something I practice very much. And when I look at Jesus and I'm like, you get it? You get what I walk through and yet you were sinless? When I can sit in that, I feel really understood. I feel comforted. I feel known. I feel seen. Jesus gets what we've walked through. And not for one second does he think you need to bounce right back up. You fellowship with him. You have friendship and intimacy. A true partnership in marriage, for example, when you're a true partners, you're truly honest with each other. If one's the boss and one is compliant, that's not a marriage, that's slavery. It's a partnership. It's, let's, we're in this together. How are we going to do this? I'm listening to your heart. You listen to mine. You really annoyed me yesterday. It's, it's, it's true intimacy. And that is what Jesus wants with us. That's him with the Mary and the Martha. What's going on? How are you feeling? So how can we learn from Job, David, and Jesus? Process. What does that mean? Get a therapist. Get a professional. That's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength that you're making a choice to power on through. Rant at God. Be honest with him. He's okay with that. Just like I said, successful, healthy relationships are honest. When others come to us, this is something very important. Like Jesus, listen and feel. Connect with their heart. Connect with them. Listen to them. Don't just be quick to say, I'm going to pray for you. Or, oh, this happened to me and it was fine. We're so quick to try and do something spiritual. But like the Jewish community around Mary and Martha, gather around people and just listen. Do something that you love with God. Guys, are you aware that Southern California is so beautiful? Go to the beach. Hike up a mountain. Write. Be like David. Process with your journaling. Something that I've recently fallen in love with is running around here. And I put on my Spotify, and I'm hearing God in the most profound ways. And then I look up at the mountains, and he's saying some deep things to me. And I'm really enjoying it. For spiritual insight, if you're struggling spiritually, Ben, he's trained. (laughs) 
Seek out spiritual counsel. Talk to a community group leader. Talk to Laura Chase. Talk to these people because honestly, in this community, you've got a depth of spiritual insight, but you're not going to get it if you don't ask. And then talking of that, fellowship, community, get into a community group. Have intentional relationships where you know you're safe. Have your three. And it's not always going to be, tell me about your heart. Sometimes it's going to be, would you like to go out for dinner? <laughs> it's just investing because you're not going to share your heart with someone who you don't trust. You're not going to share your heart with someone who hasn't earned your trust. Those disciples had earned Jesus' trust. It had been three years. Share, like Jesus. Just say, guys, be honest. I, I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you, if you say to a married person, it's really rough, I actually threw a plate at my husband last week the woman will probably say, I did that too. If you're truly honest, people open up. So I'm just going to wrap up. Trauma is not always expected. It's very rarely expected. But like we saw through Job and David, process, verbally, through art, through going to the beach, hiking, however you do it, process, because that is the key to getting out of this cycle. Process with your community. Listen to other people's pain. Listen to other people's grief and frustrations. And don't be like the disciples. Don't just give up. Stay. Keep asking questions. Fellowship with him. And just get practical. It's not always found in prayer. Get practical. Get a coach. Do something practical about your emotions. Because honestly, when we walk through this, as we approach Easter week, I promise you there is so much hope for wholeness. There is so much hope for that peace, for that joy, for those promises that God has given to you and you haven't yet seen. As you process, I promise there is so much hope.